Hi, and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hi, and welcome to another episode of TV My Husband Hates. I am Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are once again chatting transatlantically about all the best TV there is to watch. Absolutely. Got four shows on deck today, um, and it's the day after Halloween, which is always a nice day. It is the day after Halloween. It's big. It's big in America. It's getting bigger in the UK every year, for sure. I noticed that, like, looking at pictures from all my friends in the UK, it seems everybody was out trick-or-treating, whereas I remember when I lived there, we never had any trick-or-treaters, ever. No, this year, honestly, I'm up and down, up and down, answering the door. They're all over it, except we always get, like, towards the end of the trick-or-treaters, like, by 8.30ish, we always get the slightly older kids turning up, maybe 12, 13, 14, who haven't even dressed up and just knock on the door and go trick-or-treat. I'm like, this is not trick-or-treat. Now you're just begging for fucking food. Yeah, I have a rule that I'm totally fine giving teenagers candy if they have put in the effort and have dressed up. If not, then no. And I tell them, I put my teacher voice on, and I go, (laughs) but you're not dressed up. Why should I give you any sweets? No, it's Halloween. I'm like, no, now you're just knocking on strangers' doors and begging for food, and that is not the same thing. No. Here's a can of beans. Goodbye. (laughs) I am such a fun girl. Uh, Anyway, we do. We've got four shows on deck tonight. We are doing Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Below Deck, Real Housewives of the OC and Dallas. And for me, I quite, we were talking about this in our little pre-production meeting. We quite enjoyed these four episodes because there wasn't really, it was a bit of a step down from the mega drama and it was nice to see a little bit more human interaction from them. Absolutely. We are just talking about there seems to be kind of the mother-daughter theme throughout all of the shows this week. And we think once they kind of can tone down the drama a bit, kind of real-life issues can kind of shine through, which is awesome because who doesn't have an issue with their mother? Uh, yeah, not not me. My mum is mental. <laughs> Same. She, she was like... Lover, sorry, but this same. Is, this is really off topic. And we also have just discussed how we're going to try and bring the timing of the podcast down a bit because we talk too much. But I'm just going to slip this in quickly. My mum was... I said to my mum on Monday, uh, obviously England are in the middle of the World Cup for rugby. And I was like, oh my God, what a great match it was on, on at the weekend. And she went, oh, I didn't like the Wales match. I said, no, I'm talking about the England match. She went, oh, that was, that was the weekend before. And I'm thinking, oh, it, well, it, no, it wasn't. I watched it. It was this week. She's like, no, it's definitely the weekend before. It was Wales this weekend. It was the weekend before. And you know when you're like, I don't have time to deal with it. Like, it's fine. Whatever. It was next week. Then my dad called me today and went, by the way, just have to tell you, you were absolutely wrong about when the rugby was. It was the weekend before. It wasn't that week. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going, maybe, maybe I am, Matt. Like, maybe I am going mental. Maybe I didn't sit down and watch it when I thought I did. I mean, there's two people yeah. telling me that that didn't happen. So I thought, I'll Google it because uh, I'm not 85, so I can. And um, and I was fucking right. It was that weekend. And my mum, so I called her back and I went, by the way, you were wrong. It was that weekend. I've Googled it. She still goes, no, they're wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> it, was, it was the weekend before. I love the balls that she has to like call out Google being wrong. I also like the fact that they must have been chatting about it for your dad to then call you oh, the yeah. next day. Like this it is a big a th- thing. It had been a thing. So when I called them back, I was like, you owe me an apology. 
I was and did like, they? Such, uh, mum did. Dad was like, mm, I'll give it to you when I see you. I think he was like, I'm going to go check that shit myself. Right. <laughs> I, I think anyway. that's just one of the realities of like parents getting older. Um, it's something my mom and I talk about a lot in regards to my Mima as well, because like she, like my Mima's in like her mid 80s. And so she's starting to kind of forget some things and she's always been like super on it. So my mom complains to me about these issues with my Mima. And in the back of my head, sometimes I'm like, we have the exact same issue. <laughs> we'll exactly talk about it when you're 80. Problem. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, for half of the argument, she's not even referring to it as the rugby. She's calling it cricket. And st- <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's too much for me. I had to walk away. Anyway, yeah. let's talk about other mother-daughter relationships because keeping up with the Kardashians, did you like that segue? That was golden. Professional. So pro. Absolutely. Um, keeping up with the Kardashians... The main thing of this week was obviously Lamar's book and the issues it threw up between Chris and Chloe. Yeah, that was super, super interesting because what I feel like I really like about Chloe is I feel that since she's had some time away from Lamar and all of the drama and it's over and she's kind of moved on with her life. I like the way she deals with him. Like, I like when he had his massive incident and ended up in a coma with his OD. She was there, and she just wanted to make sure he was okay. It didn't mean that they were getting back together. I think she handles separation yet still caring very, very well. Well, and I think that comes from the top down, like everything. Chris does too. I mean, you only have to look at how Chris looks at Scott. Like, Chris, Scott is a son to her. Like, it doesn't matter that him and Courtney aren't together anymore. That relationship doesn't need to exist. But Chris, for Chris, that's very, very important that that the kindness continues. And um, and Chloe really exhibits that as well with Lamar. But we did, um, I did do a, because obviously the, the Lamar book brought up the whole, did Chris Jenner tell Lamar where Chloe was when the Soul Cycle confrontation happened? Right. And up until now, Chris has just deny, deny, deny. Yeah. Deny till you die, I believe is what she says. Yeah, deny till you die. Um, But the book, Lamar says otherwise. Lamar lands that blame squarely on Chris. And we did do a quick story about whether we thought Chris was lying uh, and whether she was actually responsible. And we did a poll and it was, what was it? 93% of people thought that Chris was guilty as sin. And I got to say, I agree. She totally was. And I don't think she did it maliciously. I don't think that's really how Chris was rolling in this whole incident. I think she let it slip and then was like, oh, fuck, I didn't even think about what I just said. And then, you know, then he shows up and it's all kind of this weird incident. Um, But I think Chris sometimes just needs to, like, take it on the chin and be like, I may have said something in passing, even if she doesn't remember, which we all know she probably does. But just, you know, own it, deal with it move forward yeah and I think as well from her relationship with Scott you can see that she takes this she takes the boyfriends and the husbands in as her own so at this point it was it, it could just be that that she still cared about Lamar she still cared about the relationship and maybe she didn't realize how off the reservation Lamar was and maybe she just thought she was doing the right thing to give Lamar a chance to speak to Chloe we don't know either way we do know she's lying out of her ass Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. Um, What I really also liked about that whole thing was when Lamar went on Good Morning America and really, like, 
kind of defended the Kardashians. I think the Kardashians take a lot of shit from a lot of people. And I really liked how he was like, I should have never treated her that way. Her family was so lovely to me and has always been so caring and apologized to her in public. Because I think that was a really tumultuous time for Chloe, And it was nice to see him acknowledging his part in all of that. Yeah. And I think when you're dealing with an addict, it's very, there's nothing more frustrating because as much as you love them, you can't do anything for them. And I think it took Chloe a long time to get to that point. But when she did, she stuck with it. She's had that boundary in and not, and, and there's a real difference between just because you know that you can't help them and do it for them doesn't mean that you can't care and show them kindness. And I think she, like we said at the beginning of the conversation, she's managed, she's got that down to a fine art. And there's really nothing bad that I have ever been able to say about Khloe Kardashian, actually. No, I totally agree. And like, I think we ran another poll again about, because a big thing was about whether she should meet with him and do a face-to-face and things like that. I totally agree with her decision and the reasoning behind it about how she found out he had a girlfriend. She didn't want to be disrespectful to that. She just kind of wanted to move on and everything was fine. And for me, that was a real insight to like, the health and healing of that relationship, that she wasn't going to cross the boundary that she's already put up, but also because there is somebody else involved and she didn't want to kind of trample on their feelings. I think that's a really kind way of handling yourself. Yeah, and also it's done. Like it's very easy to feel that it's opened up again once uh, the book, because with the discussion about the book, but actually it hasn't. That had, The book hasn't changed anything. Chloe's got what she needed out of it. She can hear him say what he says on Good Morning America. They don't need to be back in the same room together. Sometimes you do just need, for the sake of your mental health and your emotional health and, and theirs too, to shut the door, know that you had what you had and walk away with peace in your heart. And I think that's where Chloe is with that. And I think she made absolutely the right decision. Yeah. What did our poll say? Did, did people uh, agree with us? I think so. Largely, uh, our poll said 91% agreed with us, which is always nice. Yeah. We'd like uh, to be agreed with. Yeah. Only three people voted for no, that she made the wrong decision. So yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that, that she's handled herself like a queen. Um, and Absolutely. Yes, we, and then beyond that, we had Kim at the White House. Kim at the White House. Like this is a this is somebody who is now using their social platform to do like actually enact change. I love what she's doing for prison reform and prison sentencing and then like the transition back to life after people, you know, have done their time because that's a really crucial moment in somebody's life. And a lot of people reoffend because they don't have the tools to kind of get on a different get life path. society. Yeah. So we see her at the White House announcing this really great initiative through Lyft, where Lyft will now provide rides to and from work for people, you know, who have just gotten out of prison, going to a new job, picking up their kids and, you know, just trying to get back on their feet. I think what she's doing is pretty amazing. I agree. And I think it's... I, I, I think it's really easy to kind of dismiss what she's doing in a kind of PR stunt or whatever, but actually she's making real change. And, okay, so what if she looks good at the back of it? Because these people are genuinely 
she's genuinely changing people's lives. And she's working with people that she doesn't necessarily love. Like, she's not a Trump supporter. And and yet she's not letting that get in her way. It doesn't matter that Trump's the one in the White House. It doesn't matter that she has to, you know, kowtow to him and play his games. She's still prepared to get in there because the end goal for her is more important. And she's making differences where hundreds of politicians haven't been able to make the difference before. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge problem that we have here in the U.S. with prison rates and racism within prisons and, you know, people coming out the other side okay. And I think, you know, what she's done, I think, you know, what she's done for this woman, Alice, in previous episodes and in real life um, and got her out of a life sentence for something fairly minor. And then we see Matthew, who's in this session, that she's also helped him, you know, hearing, getting his case heard. And I think... If people do use these platforms, whether it be for PR or not, I mean, she deserves good PR. She is doing good for other people. Um, I don't honestly, I don't care the reasons behind it as long as it's affected, you know, it's it's making steps towards positive change, especially with things that we in the US as a country really need to look at and really change how we've done things. And she's not, you know, she's committing to this. She's she's doing a, a, a law apprenticeship. So essentially she'll be a qualified um, lawyer when she's finished with that. Um, she's really committing. She's working hard and to be running all those businesses, to have the kids, to do the law degree. I mean, it doesn't matter how much help you've got. That's still a lot on your plate, you know. Absolutely. Just because you've got, just because you've got help doesn't mean that, you know, your life is easy. No. Um, so... I think she deserves a lot of respect. And actually tying in with that this week, I happened to watch the E! True Hollywood story about Kim Kardashian West. How good was it? So good, because it was a really interesting... She, I felt like she was um, slightly more... Um, not authentic, because I think she's authentic in the show, but I think there's a comedic element to the show that wasn't on the E! True Hollywood story. It was nice to see her be quite genuinely honest serious. and open. Right. Serious about yeah. it as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was really to see, to see all of that together with that episode kind of yeah. really gave it a lot of context. I really enjoyed it. No, I'm glad you watched it. Like it is a phenomenal show. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I also think if we look at like the Kim that we've seen from the beginning of these shows ages ago to now, I think we're seeing her kind of just know herself a little bit more. Like she occasionally drops swear words now. We see her drinking on the show. None of that happened in the very beginning of the Kardashians. She was like the straight-laced, like perfect kid. And I think now that she knows herself a little bit better and she's grown up and she's been through some shit, like I think we see her kind of embrace that and just kind of be more who she is on the screen versus who she was at the very beginning of the show. I also think she just knows herself better, as we all would after, like, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, the way I feel, when we're probably about the same age. I think she's maybe a year older than us because we're... Yeah. Yeah, she's, like, 1980. I think we're 81. Um, I feel more in control of myself, more at peace with myself, more confident in my own skin than I ever have. So I think that's a natural progression for her. But I also think she's when you know it was really interesting watching the e true hollywood because we saw her those early early kardashians like right off the bat she was just a like she was she was kind of a silly little girl you know Mm -hmm. she was playing up to being the queen and the princess of, of you know la and and now and and I guess if that's what you remember Kim Kardashian and you never watched anything more, I right. guess why people that's why people are just like, oh my gosh, she's such an she's such a vacuous piece right. of shit. But 
actually now she's evolved so much like we all have. And I would hate for me to be judged on the person I was 15 years ago. Um, 100%. Um, You know, so I, I, I just don't see how if you're invested in the Kardashians and you've watched it and you know the story that you can dismiss her as quickly as a lot of people do. I think if people are dismissing her, they don't, they haven't seen it and they're not watching it. No, I totally agree. Um. And then, of course, we had just this lovely little comedic interlude with the. I think probably my favorite couple on Kim Kardashian on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which is Scott and Chloe. I adore them together. They have the best banter. They have such a real friendship. I think they are very much brother and sister in a lot yeah. of ways that they interact. Probably a little bit nicer than most brothers and sisters act with each yeah. other. But he's hilarious. I love again talking about transition. I love where he's at now. He's yeah, so too. funny. He's so kind of self-assured. And that dog is like the cutest dog ever. Herschela. I know. I know with his David Bowie eyes. Oh, which got him disqualified. Like he can't be a show dog because he has different color eyes. But it's I love that fair. he then just throws his own show called Calabarxis Dog Show. I know I wrote that down as well. I was like, that is genius. Calabarxis is just the best. It's so funny. And, you know, I love when he says, you got to love winning when you pay for it. but I love him he's so deadpan he's really again like like everybody does he's really found his feet and uh, you know we've talked about him and and uh what's her name Courtney Courtney. getting back together um we don't know if that's going to happen but I'm just pleased that they haven't left him out in the cold I'm pleased he's still part of the Kardashian clan yeah I think they've really taken him under his wing you know once he lost his parents they've kind of filled that void which I think is lovely yeah. Um, and of course, Chris drops everything to go and bring him chicken soup when he's lying about being sick. But she was ditching her own daughter, by the way. I was like, I he know. almost gets treated better than any of the girls do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sick. She's like there in a heartbeat. It was hilarious. But I love I know, that he did power. that for Chloe. I love that he did that. He used his power for good to trap yeah. Chris to talk to Chloe. <laughs> I know. She caught her red handed as well. Um, but yeah, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. And uh, I don't think the drama's over, though. I think we might be back to drama soon. I'm sure we will be. We'll, we'll keep watching. Um, below Deck. Below Deck, back to Thailand. Uh, and Brandy on her own Hot Mess Express yachting trip through Thailand. I mean, Brandy is uh, a fucking liability. That's the only thing we can say. She is, but I, 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 what I thought was interesting was everybody thought that there was like more to her being sick. Like, oh, there's something really, really wrong with <laughs> yeah. her. Let's call the medic. Let's get it's her back to the boat. It's a medical emergency. And the medic essentially is just like, you're just a massive alcoholic. You need to drink some juice. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, how long have you been drinking for? And she was like, as if like he was expecting maybe six, seven hours, maybe 12 right. hours. She's like, two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> two full solid weeks and I mean we all see how Brandy drinks so oh yeah it's all yeah, hours she's awake she's drinking it knows no bounds and that was his medical diagnosis you just need to stop drinking <laughs> yeah You'll feel fine I love that yeah <laughs> oh my god we've got a medical emergency on our hands no we haven't you've got an alcoholic on your hands it's absolutely not the same and um, after laying in that bed all day she wakes up at midnight demanding more booze first thing out of her mouth 
had yeah. like some champagne and I love that they were like yeah no we're just going to fill that up with sparkling water yeah but it didn't matter because she went back to bed woke up in the morning and the first thing she asked for at breakfast was some champagne so she's a lost <laughs> cause she's off the boat in four hours just no give lessons it the champagne learned. and move on no absolutely um and then I really liked this episode because I have not warmed to Chef Kevin. And at first I thought maybe it was because my love for Chef Ben was too much and there was a loyalty thing going on. Agreed. Um, now I realize that it's because he's just a massive cockwomble. And uh, and Captain Lee is riding his ass. He's seen him 40 years and he's riding his ass for it. And I loved watching Kevin squirm. Oh my gosh. Could you believe? Like he left, the, he ate the main that was supposed to be <laughs> Captain Lee's. And then and then is like outraged. Yeah. Well, outraged you're just not getting dinner. That Captain like, Lee's pissed. Wouldn't you just go throw something together, even if it was something totally different yeah. from everybody else? Like feed the man. Like it is your job to also feed the crew. He's at the table. What if Brandy yeah. had popped up wanting dinner? And that was like the okay. exact point Captain Lee was making. Totally. And he was, and Kevin was completely, you know, he's one of these, and I'm starting to see the pattern now. Yeah. He's one of these, it's always somebody else's fault people. Totally. And like, he went into the bridge, A, not really quite groveling enough, and then gets pissy because Captain Lee wouldn't even look at him. I'm like, I'm not surprised. Like, well, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, this is not the first time that he's done this. Because didn't Captain Lee call him into the bridge, like, maybe the last episode, and he just walked out? Yeah, it might even have been the beginning Maybe of this episode. Maybe it was the beginning episode, of this actually. episode. Yeah. I think it was. And he called, he was in there. Uh, Captain Lee wanted to talk to him about the way he was treating the interior staff. Right. He could he obviously, he can hear everything on the radio. And uh, Kevin didn't give it a second thought, like basically dismissed him, turned his back and walked out. And it's really interesting because obviously Captain Lee's old school, but on these boats, even though they're charter holiday boats, this kind of maritime hierarchy is still yeah. very, very important. It's like, it's almost military. Absolutely. And Kevin is flouting that. And so he, he, the fact that he can't understand why Captain Lee is so pissed he can't even look at him is just such a lack of self-awareness. Totally. That he does, I, I just was like, oh, Kevin, you're just, it's painful to watch now. Yeah, he, he just needs to stop. I mean, I feel like he stirs up the shit, then complains that people aren't there to clean up the shit, and then doesn't own his shit. Yeah, and then at the tip meeting gets mad again because Captain Lee's like, you guys on the deck did a great job. The interior did a great job. He doesn't say that Kevin screwed up. He just doesn't say anything. And Kevin's like, he's making a point. Yes, he's yeah, making he a point. he is. He's making a point because he has a point. Yeah. You did a shit job. You didn't even do your job because you're supposed to feed everybody. Like that's you've got, 101. He didn't even call you job. out. He, you got one job. He didn't that's even it. call you out for the incredibly lackluster seafood non-extravaganza that you did. Like, he's been willing to give you the benefit of the doubt, and you fucked yeah. him. Yeah. But you fucked and him. you left him you hungry. Just, yeah, you left him hungry, but also you fucked it so publicly as well. Oh, you, yeah, you, you can't fuck so, publicly. publicly. You, can't just, you can't fuck publicly. I mean, that's just a good rule for life. But, but you fucking left him at the table with no food while everybody else is going, oh... Oh, it's delicious. Look at oh, like an asshole. God, I mean, he's like just sitting there eating fucking eating garnish. A salad. <laughs> <laughs> I love what he right. said, like, do I look like I'm a rabbit? I'm eating yeah. fucking garnish. 
<laughs> he was pissed. And if you want another drinking game for Below Deck Bravo, and I know that my sister will like this because this is the one reality TV show she watches, is every time Captain Lee says, God damn it, you take a shot. He says like, it a lot. He says it a lot. And it reminds me of that, like, um, did you ever watch, of course, well, did you ever watch Top Gun? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. I was, I'm was. i a child me. born in the 80s. I think every single girl born in the 80s has seen Top Gun multi, like a multitude Multiple of times. times. Yeah, and I mean, also, I wouldn't be a friend if you hadn't, so I must have known yeah. that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, the bald guy who's like, if you scrub just this much, you'll be flying a cargo plane for a rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. <laughs> he always says, God damn it. And it, Captain Lee always reminds me of that. I can't get it out of my head. Uh, but yeah, take a shot when, when he says, God damn it, and you will be on your ass. Um, so yeah, I think I'm excited to see Captain Lee ride his ass. I hope he gets fired. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're definitely leading up to it. Like, I'm wondering when is the last time we've seen a full episode of Below Deck where the chef hasn't been fired? Yeah, I think certainly since the maybe the first couple of seasons, right? The chef is what goes. In fact, there was uh, there was one fairly recently. In fact, it might have been the last below deck with that kind of young tall chef with oh yeah kind of slightly yeah. long hair yeah. he stuck out the season but he was he did. You know the one that did like he yoga? faltered right right he was a great chef but he was yeah. kind of weird oh yeah adrian the one that adrian. helen was like all over that last season right. yeah no i yeah. think i think below deck proper has held on to more chefs than below deck med yeah if sure. anybody below really deck. knows the statistics on that you just let us know because we're actually interested yeah, I mean, we can't be asked to work it out ourselves. No, but if not that else interested, can, then, but yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, send it in. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think that would be good. I'd like to see Kevin get the, the comeuppance he deserves. And then we also had this little love triangle going on this episode. Oh, yes. The court Ashton-Brian. Yeah. I love how Brian is, like, really taking it easy on this night out, though, so he doesn't get super hammered. Like, I think that's a really smart way to play it. We see Abby doesn't really go along those lines. Um, no. But also going back to Brian, yeah. I he really went up in my estimations this episode because not only did he kind of learn from his mistakes last time in terms of going out, but also when he fucked the Gavit, Davit. The Davit? Thing. The Davit. Yeah. Is it a, a, a D? D for, yeah. yeah. The Davit. He went straight, like he owned that, went straight to. So we've seen him make mistakes. That's yeah. fine. I don't care if you make mistakes, but I've also seen him very quickly own it and, and apologize. And right. for that, ultimate respect. 100%. You know, it's not making the mistake. We all make mistakes. But if you can be put your big girl pants on and go and say, I fucked up, I'm really sorry. Right. You, you're always going to get respect from me. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, he does that, but it doesn't do him any favors on the night out. No, but I feel like he and Courtney were like chatting a little bit more in a more real way. Um, who yes, knows if there's a future right. for them? I think when you compare it to the way Ashton was talking to Courtney and she was like clearly not having it, um, it was a more respectful conversation with Brian where Ashton was just kind of going right in there. Yeah, you're right. And I actually, I think you're right. I, I think I forgot. I think I got them confused, actually. But Ashton, as soon as he had a drink, it's like he just turns into a sex pest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wrote down a quote from Court. It was like, what am I? Like a job interview at McDonald's? Because he was just like throwing these questions at her. Just like, this is not how you have a conversation. 
No, and actually even Courtney went up in my estimations this one because I loved that she she like totally called Brian. Yeah. And she was talking to Kate and she was like, I bet he takes mirror selfies at the gym and posts them on Instagram. <laughs> and she went straight to the account and there it was. It was like all laid out for her. And I just thought, oh, babe, I'm with you. That is so good. She called yeah. him completely. I um, totally agree. She's gone up a lot in my book in this episode. I think because her whinging is down and her witty comebacks are high. And that that's always that always wins me over. Yeah, because I don't think she's stupid. Like, I think she's no. smart. Yeah. But I think she's um, she, she's precious, for sure. Uh, but it was nice to see less whinging and more wit. Because totally. that, that Instagram moment was just brilliant. It was hilarious. And she's really, she's really handling those boys. Like, yeah, she she's is. Keeping them in their place, knocking them down. She doesn't give a shit. No. They need to do better if they want to. And I appreciate that. Yeah, you got to do better if you want to get with her. Yes, exactly. Uh, also, I think we've got a correction on Simone, haven't we? Yes. She is not 39. She is 25. <laughs> Blame my old ass, almost 39-year-old ears, for not being able to hear that properly. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking she looked really good Yeah, 39. I mean, she probably still will. I mean, she takes care of herself. She's got a great job. You know. She's not a big drinker. No, but she is 25. So, Simone, if you happen to be listening, we are sorry we aged you by about 14 years. I know. Maybe it was her. just wishful thinking on my behalf or, again, my old ass ears. Um, <laughs> and then just to, just to wrap up on, on Below Deck a little bit, what was, yeah. it with, what was it with the beads that they gave to Kevin? They were like masturbation beads. My guess, I should have looked this up. So Helen, I think, has like a lingerie sex line, like she sells the line. Right. I think they are masturbating beads. So part of me wonders if he's supposed to coil them up in his hand whilst- I'm Googling it right now. Yeah. Google it. What I, mean, I thought was weird was that she asked him for like a selfie with it because like we've seen Helen be all over chefs like with Adrian and last season and she was not that way with Kevin. Like she enjoyed his food, but she was not in the kitchen with him. Um, so I just thought that was a super strange gift and segue because I, I did think it was funny. Like they were talking about, you know, they're way too small to be anal beads. So obviously Kevin's got some uh, experience and, in that department, which no, there's no kink shaming yeah. here. So, you know, you they do you. Yeah, they weren't anal beads. They, I mean, for me, they just looked like a, a string a pearl of pearls. Ne- yeah. Like but I think necklace, th- not that kind of pearl necklace. Right. But though, I think they're know. like, I, I keep doing this with my hand, which looks really mm-hmm. foul. Um, mm-hmm. I'll stop. But I think they're masturbation beads. I think that's what they said. So this is what I'm looking at. I mean, I'm Googling masturbation beads. I'm getting a lot of anal beads, which is what you'd expect. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of dildo with bead shapes on them. I've looked at male, female masturbation. There is literally, there is nothing that comes even close to, to well, something Well, you know, that looks they do remind like me that. of like those panties that are designed for women that have like the pearl string that goes on the underneath bit. Oh. That goes by your bits and up the back, not to go in, but just to rub gently. Oh, to rub again. Oh, yeah. But I've seen them for women. No, well, I think they were for women. Like, I don't. I think she was getting kinky with. It. Like, I don't know what was going on. I don't yeah. think we'll ever know. No. Pearl string masturbate. Oh no, it's a porn video. I don't want to. Oh. <laughs> Oops. It's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, Go elsewhere okay. for that, but I'm yeah. I'm definitely so, going to clear those. I definitely need to clear that history because you yeah. don't want to be in a meeting and hit like no. M in the search and have 
masturbation beads <laughs> pop up as a, is this what you like you looked for last time? Right. Um, yeah, so that was it. And then obviously, just lastly, on the Kevin thing, is it my imagination or did he very heavily imply that he was calling Captain Lee a cunt? Uh, 100% he was. He did, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He did. Uh, um, he's really off his game. Um, he also passed out in Kate's lap in the taxi, which I thought was strange. I, I think, you know, we're going to keep our eyes on this, but I feel in my gut that we're moving towards another chef firing. So maybe we'll get Chef Ben back. <laughs> Don't get my hopes up. Oh, you just gave me fizzy knickers. Do you really think so? Well, I mean, if they fire him, they'll need another chef. And in my experience with Below Deck, other chef typically means Chef Ben. Yeah, he's a a super chef. Let's hope so. Um, Okay, cool. And obviously, we'll just have to see what happens with Kate and Tanner. He's trying really, really hard, and she is making it very difficult for him. But I think that that's something that's going to pop up. Yeah, I, I wrote down the quote, I'll bang him, drunk probably, maybe on accident. Because I don't think she's turned on by drunk Tanner. She's going to need, I think she said, I will need it to be drunk for it to happen, but he will need to be sober. See, I felt like she was being a bit unreasonable about that. Because when he was, the interaction we saw, obviously it's edited, right. the interaction we saw with him at the bar was really reasonable. If he was yeah. drunk, he was like, you know, I'd like to go on a day. It was. It just seemed really normal. And she was like, drunk Tanner's a pain in the ass. And I'm thinking... So I wonder if there's things that we just didn't see. I don't feel like he's, I totally agree with you. I don't feel like he's being a pain in the ass. I do feel like she was right though. Like if you're going to ask me on a date, you need to be man enough to call it a date and be very clear. Like all you did was like, let's grab a glass of wine. Like that happens all the time when people leave. I don't, I don't fault Kate for that. And to be honest, if I hadn't washed my hair in a couple days too, I'd pick washing my hair. When yeah. I know I'm going to be drinking later anyways. Also, I have to say, though, I'd stay away from... I love Kate, but I think she'd be high fucking emotional maintenance as a girlfriend. So I think yeah. I give him props for even yeah. going into the lion's den on that one. Um, okay, cool. Let's head to California. Let's do it. Wouldn't that be nice right now? Yeah. So this episode back in the OC was very much dominated by Vicky Gunvalson's birthday tea party. Yeah. Which, uh, which was brilliant. It's great to see them all dressed up. Uh, Vicky well, was a... Like was 75% say, of them dressed up because two people yeah. didn't get the memo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Vicky, Vicky for me is at her best when she's when a she's the center of attention. Yeah, yeah. She relaxes a little bit. She's into being fun, and and when she can take the piss out of herself. And we had an episode of that Vicky, which is yeah. always great television. No, it's it's my favorite Vicky. Um, chilled out, just having fun. Vicky is great. I thought the tea party was fabulous. It was something that she had always wanted, so I thought that was really nice of like the girls to really make it happen and go over the top because Vicky is nothing if not a hundred percent over the top. So yeah. Exactly. And Shannon's commitment to themes and fancy dress is always just so fun to watch. And I love, because I have the same thing. I love nothing more than a theme. I'm a little over it right now because I've had like every weekend (laughs) for the last month has been a fancy dress party. But in general, it was just a really good episode to get some fun into the OC. Of course, we still didn't go without some drama. No, and uh, quite a bit drama, actually. So um, where shall we start? Let's start with Matt and Gina. 
All right. So uh, Gina lets it fly that she and Matt did it, but only after Tamara totally calls her out and was like, a friend sent me your picture at this bar of you and Matt. And yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I think she's playing with fire, but I guess, and I haven't been divorced, but I have been through breakups. Uh, there is just a set of stages that you have to go through. Right. And there's always that stage, especially if you're still in touch with an ex, which is obviously more likely when you have kids with them. Right. Um, that you get past the initial anger, past the initial rage, past the initial hurt, and you come back together again. And there's always that. I mean, it's, it's the backslide phase. <laughs> it's the backslide phase. That's what it is. And you just go back yeah. because it's comfortable and it's all of those things. Um, so she's playing with fire. I, I think she's going to get hurt a little bit, but it's. I think it's a natural stage of a, of a breakup to a certain extent, actually. I agree. And I think it must be really hard when you have kids and you're looking at kind of what the divorce is doing to the kids and it makes you really second guess whether or not that is the right decision. Like, would they just be better if we were together and we could try to work this out? And I think that's 100% a natural stage of going through a divorce that she's going through. So I hope that she comes out the other side all right. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I think, I think she'll get burned a little bit. I think Shannon reckoned, I think she and Shannon had quite an interesting exchange over that because Shannon did say, look, you have to do everything that you can to save your mind. The best case scenario is that you can hold it together for your kids. Right. But you have to be happy. You know, that has to obviously come at, at, along with your own happiness. You can't sacrifice one for the other. But Shannon's very much in a position where she tried it. It didn't work out for her. She's probably very right and accurate that it's not going to work out for Gina and Matt. But it, she can't, Gina has to figure that out for herself. Gina doesn't yeah. want to hear it from Shannon. Gina has to go through the steps. Right. Um, but you know in the back of Gina's mind, she's like, Shannon is 100%. Like, she watched Shannon yeah. go through this, like, herself. So I thought that was totally. really interesting. Um, totally. But she's going to have to get there herself. And I think, um, and I think again with Gina, it was really interesting going back to the mother-daughter thing that we had going on with Keeping Up right. with Kardashians, that she was really dealing with Sienna and... I, you know, whether or not Sienna's regression has anything to do with the divorce, you'll never, you'll never know, but it does put another layer in it. And I think at one point she does say, that makes me think I should get back with Matt. Right. Uh, I mean, the massive mom guilt you feel when your kids struggle, regardless if it's anything to do with you or not, you always take it on yourself. And that's what I wrote down. It's just like a huge mom guilt about possible deficits that your kids receive based on maybe what you're going through in your personal life. Or even if not, like I just didn't, you know, I didn't read to him enough. Like I think you yeah. and I have talked about this before. Like when you have the second kid and compared to what you did with the first kid, the second kid is like, a neglected, neglected child. Not really. <laughs> but like in the terms of like sitting down and reading books and doing play groups and having all of that energy that you can devote just to one kid, you always have a little bit of guilt because you physically cannot do it with the second one, like because you have two kids. Yeah. And a divorce is a very tangible thing to be able to hang the blame on. But actually the reality is I'm not going through a divorce, but right. there's a million things that I could point to and go, I fucked up there, I fucked up there, I fucked up there, and my kids are suffering because of it. You know, that's just natural. But I think Gina's in a very volatile, vulnerable, uh, insecure position. And I think she's feeling everything to the power of infinity. She's very reactive um, she's in defense mode. You know, she's like a wounded animal that's in a corner and she's in defense mode. And you see that with her 
response to Bronwyn. Um, but well, we also I, need to take into consideration, this is also a girl, like they said in the show, that does not open up. I mean, she's kept all this Matt and her stuff silent throughout the entire last season, did not open up to the girls, kept that all to herself. And I think we're seeing, like, she is trying to open up, but she is so defensive about everything that she can open up to, which just, you know, comes from being vulnerable, needing to be more vulnerable and feeling good about yourself, which are two things that I don't think she's kind of equipped with right now to kind of take things as maybe they're meant to be. No, and she's got, you know, you feel so responsible and you're going through everything on your own because you're divorced. Um, I feel for her, but I think it does... I think it does very much, it is affecting her interactions. We've seen it affect her interactions with Emily and now it's Bronwyn that's definitely taking it. And while Bronwyn's comment, um, I, I don't think Bronwyn's comment about them being at public school came from any place of malice. I don't think it was presented as well as it could have been presented. Right. Um, but but it was just too much for Gina. Well, and I think I think like we see Emily say in one of the confessionals, like all of these things that Bronwyn has been doing has been irritating Gina. So yeah. it was just like Gina was low. It was one more, you know, irritating thing to her that Bronwyn did, like asking for a bottle, you know, a glass, she should have to drink out of the bottle, not being able to drink champagne. Like there's been a lot of like no little dairy, high, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of what Gina perceives as kind of high maintenance asks. Um, that just kind of pushed her over the edge. And I agree with you. I don't think the comment she was making was negative at all. I actually think she was trying to big up public school, and then they got in this whole like public charter school debacle discussion, whatever. Um, but I mean, I think when Bronwyn went off and had a cry and came back and was able to articulate, like, the school really sa- like literally saved our daughter's life, and that wouldn't have happened maybe if she had been someplace else. I think once she put it to her that way, there was a little bit more understanding. But Gina's just like one big raw nerve just out there. Yeah. And like 100%. you touch it, like, you know, when you got a tooth pain or something, like anything that touches it just like goes right to the core. And I think that's where she's at right now. Yeah, I 100%, I agree. And I also think at the end of the day, it's really simple. I think there's just a personality clash between Gina and, right. and uh, Bronwyn. I think they just, they're just not the, they're just not each other's people and that's fine. Right. Um, I think maybe Bronwyn just has to perhaps recognize that a little more, maybe take a step back, maybe not the one, not be the one always offering the advice, the right. unsolicited advice. Unsolicited well, advice is always kind of irritating anyway. It's pretty much the worst. But I think had Tamara said that, like if Tamara had some said something about her kids in public school, Gina would not have reacted in that way. Agreed. Like they just rub each other the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, Gina, talking of Tamara saying things that she shouldn't say, that moment, I mean, from the moment Kelly Dodd says on that FaceTime, I would rather celebrate her funeral, you just know that somehow, some way, Tamara's going to get that out. Even though she's saying publicly, well, I'm not going to tell her that. Right. You know that's coming out. And Kelly should have known that. Like, Kelly, you've been in the game. Like, you know how this works. Just don't say anything. And I felt like even the comment from Kelly was a bit out of left field. Like, I don't know if something happened between them calling a truce, but she just got super angry for kind of no reason on this phone call and kind of went off. Like, if you're serious about, you know, trying to mend mend what's going on, you could show up to a tea party and not 
be an asshole. Like, or even if you're serious about trying to mend it, but you're still a bit raw, you cannot show up to a tea party and but just also that. not say you're going to celebrate the funeral. Right. Like, it's a very like that's Kelly all over. You know, yeah. she's she's another ball of fire. And I was the same. I was confused about the sudden U-turn. The last time we saw them, they were hugging each other at a table and crying. And so, yeah. You know, so the whole thing for me is crazy. I'm sure it's not the end of it. We'll figure out what's going on. Um, but, but yeah, Tamara, of course, in this sort of very faux, oh, oh, did that, did that just slip out kind then of we, way? And then we see Vicky go right back to old Vicky, where she just starts throwing out all the stuff that she knows about Kelly and saying, that, well, I didn't say this. Like, you are literally saying it right now. I love yeah. that Shannon was like, you are doing that right now. We uh-huh. are, like, we're here. You've just told all of those things that you were not going to say out on TV. You because, just of course, the, the, the big clangor there is that apparently Kelly Dodd pushed her mom down the stairs. Which, in my mind, is like, well, that's a reason not to talk to each other for two years. Like... All of these things are kind of maybe falling into place. I don't know. I mean, it's Vicky, so I'm not going to take it as 100% fact. But yeah, she's pushed her mother down the stairs now. So now that's out there right after they've decided like not to say anything more about each other. Because really, like- if you look at what Kelly said, it's not as bad as what Vicky said. Like Vicky always takes it to another level. Yeah, and Kelly, these two, again, they're just like yeah. oil and water. Like, they're either great. Well, that's not like oil and water. But, you know, <laughs> they you either know make I mean. a nice salad dressing or they don't <laughs> touch each other at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. I need thanks for help with the, with the analogy. Anytime. Um, yeah, they're either completely fine or they're literally at each other's throats throwing the worst kind of shitty shade that they can. Yeah. So, you know, here we are back again. The truce lasted maybe uh, not even a, a full seconds. episode and and now we're straight back to you know world war three um yeah. but yeah tamara's gonna pay for that tamara's gonna take that in the next somehow or other. i mean she'll she's teflon though man she's teflon yeah i feel though like if you know you they show you clips of like the coming up seasons i think we're gonna see tamara start getting called out on the pot stirring again because i think it's been ratched up to a bit of a different level this season. It's been like in every single episode. So I think she's going to have to do some explaining or some answering to people. Yeah, I agree. We'll see what happens there. But um, but yeah, we're about halfway through the season now. I think we are. Like they've already started taking questions and comments for the reunion, which you and I, I need to get on. Yeah, I think they filmed the first episode of the reunion. So um, yeah, so, so everybody, yeah, I guess we'll come up there. Yeah, everybody out there as well. I don't know if you follow Watch What Happens Live on Instagram or Twitter, but they always throw out like you tweeting or you know DMing them questions to do on the reunions. So keep your eye out for that. They're they're asking for questions right now for the OC reunion. So you guys write to them. We'll try to get one in. Yeah, we keep saying it's on our See list how it of goes. things to do. Yeah, isn't it? Um, Okay, cool. So then we can go straight from California to Dallas. And, to Dallas and uh, the wedding of the century. The wedding <laughs> of the motherfucking century. <laughs> With the free dress. With the free dress that is pretty, but not necessarily the dress that I would choose. I'm also yeah. wasn't 50 getting married. I don't know. I don't know if there are different things. Like You're being really, I think you're being really diplomatic. Uh, and <laughs> I think that if I'd paid $10,000 for that dress, I'd be pissed. I mean, it was, it was But it's a fine. free dress. 
It's a free dress. It's a free dress. It's, it's, no, it's not a free dress. It's a blagged dress. Yeah, it's a blagged dress. Sorry, it's not a blagged free. dress. Fair enough. Um, it was fine, but it was the thing on the front, the, the flappy bit on the front, I didn't, I didn't get. But anyway. To be, to be really I, honest, I question Leanne's formal dress taste because anytime we see her really like, not in like cool leggings and trainers and a top, because she does that really well. Like she does laid back really, really well. But I feel like her dressing up is just not okay. Like I actually thought her dress to the wedding would be, or to the wedding shower would have been a better wedding dress than the one that she tried on. Yeah, I agree. The one, yeah, it didn't, anyway. Yeah, I mean, not my thing. Her dress, her day, not my thing. But, right. um, but yeah, we had the wedding. But before we had the wedding, what I really loved about this relationship, I feel like we're starting to get more professional because like we've, right. we've come up with a theme, really. A theme for, for the entire episode. But it was very much mother-daughter relationships. We had, yeah. we'll come to, I think we should probably do Leanne and her mom last because they, that, that sounds great. the end. But we had that. We had Deandra and Mama D again, that toxic box of mess. Uh, Brooklyn and Brandy, and we had a little bit from Olivia and Carrie as well. So it was really interesting to see these all side by side. And I think interesting seeing like different ages in mother-daughter relationships. So like if we start with Brandy and Brooklyn, because she's the youngest and Brandy is obviously a very overwhelmed mom with three kids um, and she is pushing all the buttons all the time. Yeah, I have to say, watching this kind of is quite close to the bone for me. Right. Like, and, and I could laugh about it, but actually there are moments where I'm watching it and, and I am tearing up as well because I see Brooklyn is ju- is doing what 10-year-old girls do. Not right. all 10-year-old girls no. do, but she's doing what girls at a certain point go through. And she's and she is, there's no, I mean, she's being kind of a bitch. She she really is. To the bit and, that it's a bit dangerous, like riding her electric yeah. scooter in the street. Like she's really pushing all the boundaries and it's not good. And it's really hard to watch Brandy go through that because I've been there. Like you are that constant being torn between, I know I need to be harder on her, but I also know that my relationship with her is like on a fucking knife edge. And right. how do I manage this? Because if I go in hard on her again, I feel like I'm pushing her away or I feel like I'm managing it badly. Um, and then to see Brandy try and fix it and be shouted at, it's like awful things. Yeah. The girls say awful things. Um <laughs> In a way that boys don't. But they really don't. But girls get that really early no. on. Girls get that power. They figure that shit out. I mean, um, they still tell you that they hate you. Like, that's just a yeah. child across the board norm thing. But I think you're absolutely right. Because, like, I watch this and I reflect more on my relationship with my mom versus my relationship with my oldest. Because right. I have two boys. And it's a very different relationship that you have mother and son versus mother and daughter. But I did cry, like I did cry when I saw Brandy crying yeah. and I just thought, because I've been there, like I've right. been there with those fights and it's so hard because you're like, you're the adult, like why am I, why can't I handle this? But those girls will say really nasty things to yeah. you and even though you're the adult, you're still human and the last thing you want to hear is your kid shouting horrible things at you. Um so yeah, I really felt for Brandy. I really empathized with her. I really appreciate that it's on the show. I really appreciate that we're watching it and that she's being open about it because we all know that motherhood is one of the first things that people judge and criticize. Right. And for her to be open and honest about that, I think is really empowering. And I think it's great for people like me to watch and go, 
oh, thank God it's not just my kid being Yeah, rich. I'm not the only one who, whose not children the hate only them. One. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really hard. And I, I do think for Brandy, it's a phase. And I think for, yeah. for, I think at that age, it's a phase. And you just have to keep saying to yourself, this will pass, this will pass. This, I just have to survive this yeah. and then we can thrive. So I think she'll be fine. But also it's got to be hard for Brooklyn, like bringing in a young, a younger sibling, sibling, also an adopted sibling. And I right. think that does have an effect. Um, well, if you, if you just anything. think of the whole process of adoption as well, like they don't just like give you the baby and let you go home. Like there are home visits. There are all these weird people in her house. That 10 is a hard age. I mean, 12 is even harder. So I don't even think she's hit. Yeah. Hit the, the tip of of the worst, which is scary. But um, you know, all of their lives are in a bit of upheaval. And and we see in this episode that Bruin's biological mom is now pregnant again. So there is another baby that the mom is already giving up again. That would be Bruin's sibling. And it's really hard for Brandy kind of looking at, you know, what do I do? Like part of me wants to take on another kid, but like I just can't do it. And I mean No. No. Fair enough. Like, there's, yeah. she, as 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 weird as it sounds, that new kid that this mum's having is not Brandy's responsibility. No, she could choose to make it so, but right. it isn't. It isn't just by his very nature her responsibility, and she feels a bit like it is, but it isn't. And I well, think and I, I, re- I understand that feeling. I think yeah. wanting to give your your child who you have adopted a bloodline connection is a very strong emotion to have. I mean, I think you know. And you also have to look down the line. Like, will there be right. a point in time where that's where where Bruin grows up and knows about a sibling, but also knows that Brandy didn't take that kid? Like, is that a conversation? Right. You know, that's a very hard conversation. So there's a lot going on. So for complicated. At the moment. Absolutely. And she, I really, I really like her as a mum. I really like her as. I do think she could discipline her kid. Like, I'm, you know, me. I'm like a hard ass. I think I am she too. is a little soft on them. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but I do adore her and. Uh, I do feel for her. It's a very difficult situation. Yeah. I also just kind of piggyback on that. I love her as well. I love her relationship with Stephanie. I love that she's got somebody who is her bestie who can be like, you know what? Like you're overwhelmed and that's totally fine. Like, don't feel like you have to do this for yeah. this reason. Cause we see them cause they have a podcast together too called uh-huh. weekly dose of BS, um, which I have downloaded. I haven't listened to it yet, but I've downloaded cause I'm a bit of a nerd, so I go all the way back to the very beginning of podcasts because I want to be in on the jokes too. and I want to catch up. So I've downloaded it. I want to listen to it because I think it's going to be funny as fuck. But I love their very, very real girlfriend relationship. They remind me a lot of you and I in like the way they interact. Like It is a very yeah. honest, it's a very open relationship, and I think that's really cool. And I think everybody needs to have at least one of those people in their lives. Um, yeah, I agree. And I really enjoyed watching their podcast. And it was really, I did, I, there was like a real parallel for me yeah. in that because we are very similar to them. Like we'll yeah. go out, we'll get hammered, we'll get pissed, we'll have a good time. We always enjoy that. But also like we've been really ugly in front of each other. We've cried, right. we've snotted, we've been there. Like if I need somebody to talk to, you're my girl and vice yeah. versa. So it's it's really, I think maybe that's why we relate to them on so Probably. many levels. Yeah. Um, and also they've got a podcast just like us and I really enjoyed yeah. their prank calls. So I feel like, is there room for us to do a prank call? I don't know. Well, do you think we could prank call Jimmy? We probably could, but I don't know if he would enjoy it. I know my yeah, husband maybe. definitely wouldn't. I think Jimmy would be more of a sport than Elijah, but um, 
Yeah, let's we'll let's see. we'll take that offline. We'll have a chat. We'll have a think about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had that, ch- and then of course, moving on, kind of with the mother daughter relationship, it was interesting. A little bit with Olivia and Carey, they had an interesting conversation, and in fact, this reminded me quite a lot about of something that we talked about on the Teresa Joe special, which was kind of this idea of women taking the initiative to have financial responsibility right. in their relationships, not necessarily managing it, but certainly. Knowing what's going on. knowing what's going on and making that their job to know. Well, and even having a say in it, I feel like a lot of this issue between Carrie and Olivia is that, I mean, first off, Olivia wants to go onto this like fashion design camp overseas and she's already asked Eduardo and he said, absolutely not. And I think that puts Carrie in a really hard position. Like, A, Eduardo is her kid's step, Olivia's stepdad. So that throws something in the mix there. Also, Carrie does not have say over her finances. And I think you cannot be involved in the day to day finances, but still have a say. Like, personally, for me, my husband worries about all that stuff because, quite frankly, he understands it better than I do. I go to the meetings, I ask questions, I do all that stuff. But I do also have a say. And I feel like, Carrie does not have a say, which compounds this issue between her and her kids. Well, and also, Eduardo, he may be their stepfather, but when he married Carrie, that's a responsibility he took on to them. And it's not, you know, Carrie should be able to go to Eduardo and say, she really wants to do this. Let's make it work. Let's make it work for her. Right. Uh, and, And it's sad that she isn't doing that. It's sad that she feels she can't. But at the same time, there's part of me that's, that's, a lot of these women, their biggest focus is marrying a wealthy man. Right. And I feel like that is what's key. And they're very happy to accept the lifestyle and accept the prettiness and all the ease that that brings, but they don't want to rock the boat. Even right. perhaps at the expense of their kids that they bring into their marriage. You know, she should be able to say, Eduardo, she wants to go to this camp. She's going, like, we need to make this right. work. Right, and, like... And, the kids are getting older. They have serious interests that could be for the rest of their lives. I mean, Olivia's making her own prom dress. She's really yeah. invested in this being her career. Like, you know, once you have older kids, their things become more expensive, but also they become more important because this is yeah. kind of the rest of her life that she's planning for. So I think you're right. I, I feel like part of me wanted to kind of just shake Carrie and be like, you need to have a balls out conversation with Eduardo and be like, we are paying yeah. for this. We will figure it out. This be is their important. mom. Yeah. And also Eduardo, you know what? They're your kids. Like, like it or not, they are your kids. And to just point blank, deny them opportunities yeah. without a discussion. Cause Carrie didn't even know about this. Like there right. hadn't even been a discussion between him and Carrie. Um, f- feels really uh, unreasonable. And, I agree. Uh, and I, you know, and I hope that Carrie steps up to that a little bit. And it does seem to be a theme. We, she mentioned it last week. She's met, it's come up again. I hope that this becomes something that is tackled at some point. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then obviously, oh, Deandra and Mama D. Oh my gosh. I mean, Mama D is something fucking else, man. Like this dinner is super uncomfortable. She's just an asshole. Like, to look at your daughter and be like, I have no regrets about how any of this happened is just a dick move. Like, you've given her a, a pile of shit that you knew was a pile of shit and didn't disclose that it was a pile of shit. 
Like you could have said, it's struggling. You're really going to have to turn it around. This is what's going on. Like you would with anybody else who is going to buy your company. There are legal things that you have to turn over when people are buying companies that she did not do with her own daughter. So here's the thing that occurred to me this week. And I am definitely with you. I think Mama D is a toxic bitch. But um, Deandra has, from the moment we've met her, her sight set on getting her hands on this company. Right. For whatever reason, Mama D has been dangling it in front of her for for years and years and years. And all she wanted was this company. And here's what I realized. You're right. But she essentially, all right, she didn't buy it, but she essentially was made, she was made, took the company on. She didn't do her due diligence. No. Who takes on a company without saying, I need to see the figures? Who commits, who signs on that line without going, I need to see all the finances? I need, they don't do that. She didn't do that because all she wanted was the empire. So for me, while I think Mama D is horrible and toxic, I do think she has a point in that, Deandra's not the first person at the office every day. Deandra's not there at seven. Deandra's not working 15 hours a day to bring this company back from the brink. Like, I, I think there is an element of that that perhaps is where Mama D is coming from. And I am absolutely not justifying her behavior or the way that she interacts with her daughter. But I think there is an element of teaching Deandra, however misguided it is, a, a lesson here. Because Deandra really has been kind of a princess, is still like, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. She's putting a lot of energy into getting this from Mama D. Actually, Deandra, do you know what? Stop bitching and moaning. You're right. Blinkers on, head down, focus on the fucking company. Stop putting all this energy into trying to get your mum to admit something and turn this company around. You know what? You you make an absolutely excellent point. And yeah, you're right. I feel Deander did not do her due diligence taking over the company, and maybe she's not doing her due diligence and really trying to work at it. And I do think I think Mama D is very wrong because I think she yeah. gave it she gave it to her knowing probably that this is the way it would go down. Oh, she knew a hundred percent. She knew a hundred percent. I totally agree with you. She's probably trying to teach her a lesson, but I think these are the lessons you teach your kids when they're in their twenties or younger, you don't try to teach them at 50. And I agree with you. I think Deandra does need to take some personal responsibility. And like, you know what, like you and I both own our own businesses. Like we, we don't depend on other people to do the work for us. We didn't inherit them. Like we're making our own way. And that does require very weird hours and ebbs and flows of work that you just have to get done. And I agree. We don't see Deandra really doing that. We just see her, kind of throwing a pity party for herself yeah. that her mom's put her in this position. And here's the thing, throwing pity parties takes up a lot of fucking energy. Trying to get somebody else to take responsibility for something takes a lot of energy. And actually, if she just redirected that, put her head down and put everything into the business, she might find that she could save it. And 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 I think, you know, I think Mama D's coming from a very old school, tough love, whatever. I also think she was a bit of, I also think she just wanted to sidestep the disaster. I think she didn't want it on her hands when the ship went down. Don't get me wrong. There's yeah. nothing I like about the way Mama D has handled this. But I also do not think Deandra is blameless in this. And this this episode really made that clear to me when they right. were discussing who had seen the finances. And I was like, what, hang on a minute. Of, of, of course Deandra should have known. She should yeah. have known this because you don't take on a company without 
that kind of information. Right, right. But she was so desperate to be the boss and to have an empire um, that she didn't actually give a shit about the reality of what running a business was. So I think uh, I'm sh- I'm, I have no sympathy for Mama D, but I'm shifting a little bit in my reactions to Deandra in this right now. Yeah, they definitely need to share the blame for the situation, like 100%. Um. And then... Shall we move on to Leanne and her mom? Yes. Well, let's move on to the wedding in general and her mom. Because obviously the wedding, it's the way we've been waiting for this. I mean, she's been waiting for this for like 52 years. We've been waiting for this for what feels like 52 years. Um, Yeah, so we see her getting all dressed up. Her friends are there. She's very, very happy. Her cousin comes in without her mom. And she says, yeah. well, your mom is not going to be here until this time. And, you know, what I found interesting was kind of pre-wedding when Leanne was talking to Rich about her mom and how she makes it all about her and how that we saw them go to therapy last season and, you know, how she now says, well, mom knows what to say to therapists to get out of it. But none of it was true. And, like, until she's willing to work on this relationship, I can't really do it on my own. And I think that's really sad. Like, I, I think it's sad not to have be able to trust your parents to kind of as crazy as they can be, not trust them to kind of be real yeah. about the situation. And I think especially for someone who's suffered a lot of trauma as a child, um, I think that's just a really hard thing for her to go through. And my heart kind of goes out to her a little bit, especially when we see that her mom is really late to her wedding. Like we don't know what happens because obviously Bravo is brilliant at cutting and leaving you on on a cliffhanger. We'll, we'll yeah. find out next week, but um, her mom doesn't show. Well, so and I think as well, I mean, it's, it, I do struggle to feel sympathy for Leanne sometimes, but not because I don't doubt for a minute she's been through awful things, but I did really feel for her when she was like, this is just triggering all of my abandonment issues. Yeah. And you just, we've, we've both been through a wedding day. Not only is it the most wonderful day of your life, it's also very stressful. It's really highly intensely emotional. And if your mom doesn't show up to your wedding, I mean, that's yeah. that's, that's a really, that's a big thing. You're going to have to deal with that for a while. That's hard. I don't know if you can recover from that. So I really hope that her mom does turn up. Yes, that's, that, I really hope that she turns up. <laughs> it's a really long I was going to say something else. That was a really long pause. It was very dramatic. <laughs> it was very dramatic. Yeah, um, I mean. No, I, I hope she does. I, I, I really like what Rich, I I like Rich, actually, um, because I think Rich is kind of all about, like, you need to move on. She's the only mother that you have. Like, you just got to figure it out. I think he is a good influence on her life. She's not taking his, she's never taken his advice before, which I think is kind of bad because he was the one that was saying, like, you need to let, like, you need to let this shit with Deander go. I'm not mad. mad. You shouldn't be either. Like, I think Rich is a very calm, normal human being. Um, And Leanne just needs to kind of start taking his advice on board. Because I think she'd be a much happier person if she let some of this shit go. Granted, your mom not showing up on your wedding day is not cool. No, and I think I, I, I agree. I'm learning to like Rich, but I do think he's really... I've I've got to know him a bit more in this season. Before right. I found him quite unknowable, a bit shady. I didn't really maybe it was Deandre, what Deandre was saying, but I right. just didn't really trust him. But now I do. I agree. He seems to be a, a very calming, 
voice. I wouldn't say influence because I'm not sure anyone no, can right. <laughs> Leanne to be calm. But I do think he seems to be quite a calm voice in her craziness. Right. Um, but we'll just have to see. I do think it's worth mentioning uh, Carrie and Cameron. I, I mean, I know we almost got through a whole podcast without having to deal with Cameron. Oh, man. But Carrie and, and Cameron's getting ready together at the thing and caught running around. And Carrie's line was brilliant. Like, Cameron must have a golden vagina for the amount of stuff that... Caught. She would have to, to be really frank. She, she really... I mean, she would have to have a vagina that, like, spat out diamonds for me to put yeah. up with her. Like, it is too much. But then that book... Can can we just talk about how fucking weird that book is? She's just a weirdo. Like, I, I don't even know if I want to talk about it, because Cameron's okay. just a... F- Cameron's just a weirdo. What I do kind of want to, we can talk about the book. If we can then also talk about how I was a bit over Cameron throwing her amazing relationship with Court kind of back at Carrie. Like, oh yeah, Yeah. he does this for me. Oh yeah, he does that for me. And oh, let me show you this book full of him doing chores. Like he does everything for me. And it's like, like we all know that like Carrie's having issues with Eduardo at the moment and the power and the dynamic of the two of them. And I was just like, all right, like move on. Like, actually, yeah, I, I, mean, I do like Court. I like him better than you. I mean, I like anybody better than yeah. than Cameron, honestly. Um, I just think if it's too good to be true, it probably, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. I don't think, I think Court, I think Court's got it. Court can't. She can't, uh, uh, I can't words. <laughs> that's how frustrated I am. Yeah. Like, how can she fulfill anybody's, needs like mentally how is the stimulation that like is that maybe he just doesn't maybe he gets it elsewhere pretty girl and yeah maybe he just wants maybe he gets it elsewhere maybe he just wants a pretty girl on his arm right um i don't know but there is very little that i can find about cameron that that has any substance and this book of mummy porn just made me want to vomit all over myself like i genuinely would rather have eaten like drunk binge juice through a dead donkey's foreskin right. than like been part of Cameron's conversation at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not my kind of porn by any means. And it's not my kind of porn. I mean, I w- it's like I choose the masturbation beads that I don't know what to do with over absolutely court cleaning a toilet. Yeah. No. And you know all that stage, you know they have cleaning people. There's nothing. Yeah, Come yes, on. exactly. None of them are fucking doing the cleaning. Like, actually, if you think about it from that angle, it's pretty fucking offensive, actually. Well, the whole thing is offensive. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's it's just a, she's like, this is the sexiest thing. I mean, we all make jokes, like, you know, I watched him empty the dishwasher and, like, right. that's the sexiest thing I've ever seen. Don't get me wrong. But it's that's not how she means it. No. She's like, but look how fabulously lucky I am. Look how. Yeah. And I just. And we're oh, all modest and closed off. There's no skin in here. Like, she's just fucking bullshit fake. Like. Yeah. There's uh, nothing we can say. Right no. now, it's just going to become a stream of cursing and, right. and abuse. And we should probably avoid that for the sake of everybody. And my heart. Absolutely. It's going up. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's that, that's all that's for. It. Yeah, we've, we're it. doing well. We're trying to cut down the episodes. We know we uh, kind of go off on a little bit of tangents, so we're doing good yeah. good on this time. But what basically, we did really want to remind basically Jimmy Sims is giving us grief. Yeah, yeah, but he's probably a little bit right. But yeah. what we wanted to end with was to remind you guys that we are doing this fantastic competition. For you all to send in your best taglines. So like taglines are 
if you were a housewife, what your taglines would be, you can go to our Instagram page and there's a picture of me and a picture of Kat and we've both put our taglines up there. But we were approached by this amazing company called Carriage Hill Candles and they will put the tagline that we choose as the winner on a candle and send it to you. So you will have just a burning symbol of, you know, your, your thoughts. Your badassness. Yes. On a candle, um, which seems amazing. The, and they're beautifully, they're beautifully hand-poured. They're yeah. in glass. They're beautifully decorated. So she's going to do that. She'll send it worldwide. Um, so get those taglines in, and Reagan's going to tell you where to send them to. Yeah, so you can DM us uh, on Instagram at TV My Husband Hates. You can send us a message on Facebook uh, through our page, TV My Husband Hates. You can tweet us at TV Husbands Hate, or you can send us an email at hey at tvmyhusbandhates.com. We've gotten a few in, but you guys have until the, the 8th. 8th of November, I think 5 p.m. UK time. Yeah. So that's... So basically you've got until this time next week, just right. before we record the podcast. So, so we'll, we can announce so the winner. Which means that we can announce the winner yeah. next week. Um, but in the meantime, hang on. Also, Jersey starts before we record next week. It starts on the 7th, right? Yes. So we will be so talking we'll be about adding and Atlanta. Holy shit. Atlanta's the third. New Jersey is the seventh. So we will have a smorgasbord of shows to talk about next week, which is good that we're trying to keep it a little bit shorter so we can say, get them all managed, in. We've just managed to cut it down. We did really well. And now they've thrown in two more shows. But we'll still do it. We'll just have to be super smart yeah. and sassy. We'll be concise. We we'll put our thinking brains in. Anyway, we wish you all a very, very good week full of lots of love and rainbows. And uh, yeah, we hope you have a really good week and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Please subscribe, rate and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. The music and production for TV My Husband Hates by Jimmy Sims. Oh,